Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of, of All Out War Podcast. Rosie, I got a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to worship a peacock and get rich? Yes. Okay, well then we've got the podcast for you, because today we're going to talk all about that. It's going to be fun. But before we get to that, we got to do a little baby update, man. Okay, so it's 17 weeks. Um, it's as big as a pomegranate. Um Yes. It says we should be able to find out soon what kind of baby gender it is. Oh, good. We should start finding out what kind of childbirth We're gonna, stuff we want to do, like yeah. getting making plans already. We gotta do that. When do we start Lamans? Uh, I'm not sure. Lamaz, Lamans. Lamans is a race in yeah. France. Uh, you probably couldn't do it too well when you're pregnant. No, bumping in. <laughs> Uh, so we're halfway through. We're almost halfway through with the pregnancy. It's uh, the baby's about five point one inches long, huh. weighs about five point nine ounces. Wow! And um, it says there's some more symptoms, and I'm not going to read. It says we, <laughs> you get weird dreams, you get <laughs> itchy boobs and belly, <laughs> uh, some other stuff dealing with fluids. Um, more rapid weight gain. You have gained about five to 10 pounds by now. Oh man. This is the worst part of women. They just don't like to hearing this stuff. And you get stretch marks. Okay. So, uh, good news. Yep. <laughs> and it says, uh, the baby's cartilage is now turning to bone. So it's actually turning it. All right. Putting some meat on those bones, putting on some fat. Five ounces worth of fat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. All right. Yeah. So that's our baby update. Yep. All right, let's go listen and figure out what it what it means to get rich by worshiping a peacock. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War podcast. What's up, warriors? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I like that background music. That's good, huh? It is good. Yeah. I'm joining the studio with Rosie. Rosie, how you doing today, man? Doing well. You look good. Thanks, man. Thought I'd let you know that. So, uh... Thanks. <laughs> so, what do you know, man? We're just going to go right into Let's it, Let's just huh? go into it, man. Cool. Hey, did you know that socks and sandals were worn by the Romans 2,000 years ago? <laughs> they were the original dads. Yeah, they found split-toed socks, like yeah, that look like carrots. <laughs> that <laughs> they, were made, they do look like carrots. They are made for the Romans. That's awesome. Yeah, you know that kind of makes sense though, because the Romans would would invade northern areas. They would go into cold temperature areas when they were taking over the world. Yeah. Plus, yeah. Plus, they were dads. <laughs> they were, I wonder if they knew dad jokes. Like, what if there was any like Roman dad jokes? We probably wouldn't get it if, if if they did survive. But dude, I saw a Roman toilet. Uh, and you like, mean a hole in the ground? No, dude. They made they had. I, I got. Did you know about Rome? Okay. Did you know they had air conditioning? I didn't know that. All right. Did you know they had running water? I didn't know that. All right. Whatever, dude. Did, <laughs> so in their running water, they actually had bathrooms. Yeah. And what it was was these two slabs of like um, like stone. And there was a gap between them. And you would sit with your cheeks, one on each slab, and the gap between you would be the delivery point. And you would drop your drop your uh, your load down in there. That's what you do. 
and it would like fall into a gutter and, taken out. and running water would wash it away. And it would like, uh, it was like the way it was designed. It didn't splash on you and stuff. Like they, they thought things through. They had paved roads, man. I didn't know that. The Romans yeah. were a pretty progressive group. I'll, I'll give them that. They were progressive. As pagan as they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So they did have split-toed socks. Exactly. That's yeah. Cool. You want to hear something else about a, uh, here's a double one. Oh, doubled up. A double, did you know? Okay. So speaking of other old cultures. Okay. Um, did you know that there is such a food, a delicacy, eaten during the spring in Dongyang, <laughs> China? Where is it? Dongyang. Dongyang. D-O-N-G-Y-A-N-G. Dongyang. Okay. Uh, it's called virgin boy eggs. Ooh. And they take uh, eggs and they soak it in urine of boys. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And they cook it. That's disgusting. They eat that? Yeah, it's a delicacy, and it's supposed to, uh, it's good. It, Let me guess, it's for, it makes f- good for fertility. <laughs> no, it says, here's from Gi Yahui. I can't even do that. It says, if you eat this, you will not get heat stroke. These eggs cooked in <laughs> urine are fragrant. I love it. You will not get heat stroke. They are good for your health. Our family has them for every meal. In Yongyang, every family likes eating them. <laughs> well, uh, I will never go there, and I will never eat that. Yeah, they're only uh, 24 cents an egg. Yeah, they should be thrown away <laughs> is what they should be. Hey, man, that's their culture. Yeah, you want to eat urine-soaked eggs? Go for it. No, I mean we have pickled urine um, marinate, but we don't we don't marinate in pee. Come on, hey man, we don't do that. This is America. We have corn dogs. <laughs> we have deep fried Twinkies, <laughs> which is which is probably healthier for you. <laughs> right. Which one? Oh, urine. Oh, the eggs for sure. Yeah, but I'm still not going to eat it. No, you put a deep fried Twinkie in front of me and a urine marinated egg. What do you think I'm going to pick? I don't know, man. I could be doing I could be doing like a no carb diet. I'd still pick the Twinkie. Yeah. I'm not gonna eat some urine. It might be the best thing ever. You might find out (laughs) No that it's like the first time you found out you could put Well, why's um, it gotta be a young boy's urine? Like what makes it that's I don't ask the questions, I just read the articles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I've never been to China, so I wouldn't know. And uh oh I have. I'm I didn't eat any eggs yet. So. <laughs> so there you go. All right, man. Dude, that's funny. Uh, double did you know? It's funny. We can make fun of uh, the Chinese because they can't listen to this podcast. Any Chinese <laughs> national cannot hear us making fun of this. However, I don't know. We did have one download in China. Oh, did we? Yeah. Oh, well. According to our stats. so. And that was one time once, six months ago. We never heard from them ever again. <laughs> they were taken out and shot. Yeah. Um, interesting. We had a couple in Iran, which is yeah. You're playing with fire, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you, we are probably on a list. Because <laughs> thanks the, to me, why? No, why no, no. Me? Thanks to the listener in oh, Iran, are the multiple listeners that? Uh, that's very weird. You know, it could have been a proxy server that just I don't know ran why. Through, I don't know why anyone would try to listen to this podcast <laughs> on an Iran VPN. Um, <laughs> Because everything is locked down to Iran. Welcome to Radio Free Iran. (laughs) Yeah. 
So you get the straight news. Well, is that how they talk in Iran? I don't know. I just they talk like <laughs> gangsters in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah. Did you know Iran used to be a really pretty? Oh uh, yeah. Destination that people like from America wanted to travel to. Yeah. 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 It was beautiful back in the sixties and the seventies. Yeah, it was like a. It was like tropical, you know, and just, yeah, they had the beaches like. I think uh, they got I was both just, mountains I heard, and beaches. I just heard some Ray Charles song. It was on the some playlist somehow. <laughs> he was talking about we're going to Tehran. No way. Yeah. Ray Charles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. So yeah, there you go. Things change, man. Yeah. I mean, when you put the, uh, the the when you put the what is the the Ayatollah Ayatollah, Ayatollah. in charge. Yeah. Under the Shah. Everything. Nice. Everything goes downhill. Yep. It was all for oil. Anyways. And Iraq Stargates. And <laughs> Stargates, yes. Oh, man. So we're going to continue on in the S3, the Secret Society series that we've been doing. And last if last episode, we talked um, we talked about the, uh, what was it? Castrators. Yes, the Castrators of Russia. What a, what a fun episode that was. And you should have used the Did You Know with the eggs for that one. I should have, but I didn't... Uh... <laughs> That would have find it would have been more appropriate. Yeah, but uh, tonight we're gonna talk about the Order of the Peacock Angel, and I've dubbed them the Secret Society of Cash. That's what I. That's what I wrote in the margin of my book. But um, this is a really interesting one. Yeah, uh, the name alone is what got me interested in it. Mm-hmm. But then when I read about it, I was really, as always, I was always disappointed with the you know, why it was called that. Right. Because <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> but uh, as all of these secret societies that we've been talking about, there's always some kind of underlying current of um, that I've noticed about them all that are like they have some motive that they're trying to get to mm-hmm. and uh, that they're trying to attain, whether it's power, subversively, um, wealth, or whether it's some kind of um, esoteric thing where they think they can tap into and uh but it always ends up coming out like interestingly bad like remember the assassins we were talking about them mm-hmm. and all this loyal and secret knowledge and all this stuff and then all of a sudden they end up having to kill a bunch of people yeah <laughs> they become hired guns this one's a little different mm-hmm. than that and um and so uh, and the, the the thing we're gonna read is actually from a first person perspective of yes. a guy that so the book was written in the 70s, like 76 or something like that, that we're reading this part out of. And uh, it's he actually went to the uh, order meeting yeah. or a meeting or a, a ceremony. That's what I was, where I was thinking. Of. I thought he met like a priest or something. Yeah. So it's uh, his account of actually being part of the the rituals and everything so it's kind of cool that it's the secret society that was going on at the time that this guy got introduced to and yeah you know wrote about it because some of them some of these secret societies we've been talking about they they've either just disappeared completely or they're just so hidden that people don't know about them or whatever but some of them they're like oh yeah they were real their heyday was this and yeah a lot of them are way back yeah the ones we talked about were yeah like 1200s yeah yeah so do you want to start or do you want, do you want, yeah, I sure. think you have the best reading voice. Thanks, man. I, you, it makes me calm. Oh, well, thank you. 
Okay. Well, so I'll just start reading. Uh, it says, it was a scene that would have delighted the heart of any Sunday newspaper reporter and would have aroused the envy of a master stage designer. Somewhere in Putney, uh, so that's an English, oh, I was going to say the next thing it says, most respectable of London suburbs. So it's in <laughs> London. Um, 60 men and women were gyrating ecstatically in an underground temple before an eight foot glossy black statue of a peacock so as, yeah. <laughs> all right so yeah. all right i gotta stop you i'm gonna do this a little bit okay do you mind no please okay. when you said that that they were gyrating ecstatically under <laughs> under a peacock like a, a big glass peacock it the first image that came to mind because of the time frame tybo no oh. austin powers uh. <laughs> i just i just hear dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 da. the music I don't know. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and i just see people in like white boots and mini skirts and dancing gyrating <laughs> it probably is yeah it might be that i mean it's the same uh i wonder if like when they were in these meetings if they were doing any smoking that sticky sticky green stuff absolutely <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you would i would assume so all right <laughs> all right yeah, i apologize yeah. for no, interrupting no, no. you uh, so it says, as I stood in a small gallery built above the floor level, I took note of the pool of water in which the bird's feet rested, a monotonous, monotonous arabesque, arabesque. Uh, so it's of Arab. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird word I've never, yeah. you don't come across often, of the wall decoration, a crisscross pattern on the stone floor, rising mm. and falling in an incessant, incessant, wow, I can't read right now, all intrusive beat. Hidden drums were thudding out a tempo, which made it almost impossible to keep oneself still. It's like you said, the, uh, <laughs> like dancing and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, each of the worshippers was robed in a white flowing garment, which completely covered his ordinary clothes. On the breast of each was embroidered a peacock, some green, some black, mm. others red. So there you go. They have different colors denoting different levels. Yeah. Or some sort of uh, place within the yeah the cult. That, that's what I was gonna say. It's like it probably was some kind of designation for like uh, like a rank within the order. Yeah. All right. The devotees of the peacock angel met once a fortnight, and a fortnight, uh, if you didn't know, is two weeks. Oh, it's yeah. two weeks. Yeah, fortnight is two weeks. So why do they call the video game Fortnite? And it's like a like one thing. I don't have no idea. Yeah. It's so spelled differently. Does it last two weeks? Oh, it is spelled differently? Yeah, Fortnite has a uh, F-O-R-T-N-I-T-E. Oh, it's the old spelling night. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a Fortnite. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so the devotees of the Peacock Angel. Wow, this is taking a while to get to it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, the devotees of the Peacock Angel met once a fortnight, carry out their complicated rituals, whirl before the effigy of their deity, and return to their respective homes. You would not be able to identify them if you saw them outside. <laughs> don't say it. I don't think you should say it. Okay. Well, it's the author's words. Okay. No Asian or <laughs> Arab leads the revels. <laughs> it's definitely not politically correct, correct no. writing on here. No, but it's funny. Oh, um, no obscene rites are practiced. The devil worship att attributed to the Yazidis of Kurdistan, who are also peacock worshippers, yeah. is not to be found here. Then why should an otherwise apparently sober and sometimes very ordinary man in the street become a member of a cult like this? What does he get out of it? How is he recruited? You want to start reading? 
Sure. The, the snake and the cock, or the peacock. <laughs> you don't have to snicker, man. That just kills me every time. I didn't. <laughs> you snickered. Uh, the snake and the and the cock, or the peacock, are symbols of power. As such, they are worshipped and proprietated by the Yezidis, okay, uh, and have given many a headache of identification to those experts on the Gnostic mysteries who have found them engraved upon seals of uncertain origin in the Middle East. The English version of the cult was brought to Britain by a Syrian who settled in London in 1913. He converted, so runs of the tradition of the cult, five people of importance. So he converted, so runs. I don't understand that writing, but he converted five people. So he converted, yeah, according to... uh, the tradition of the cult. Gotcha, gotcha. He... Yeah, so runs the tradition of the cult. Five people of importance. A banker, a member of the peerage, and three ladies who were all well-known at the time as society hostesses. His name is known only to the initi- to initiates who introduce it in the disguised form into their con- conversation. Uh, the cult grew in numbers until 16 halkas or lodges were formed, each with a minimum of seven members. So it's actually growing pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, the belief, and this is important, essentially the belief is that there are two powers which can be of help to people in everyday life. The powers of increase and of construction. These are known by the coded name of the peacock and the snake because their names must not be pronounced except by the initiates. The reason for adopting these pseudonyms is that the total number of the names worked out by the by numerology is equivalent to the numbers of the names of the words peacock and snake. So I guess they had some kind of weird numerology uh, and secret words. Which is interesting, they, connected with all the Kabbalah and stuff like that. Yes, they will mention Kabbalah in here uh, right now, actually. Oh. Uh it was this discovery based upon the numerology of the Arab Kabbalah, oh. which which led to the London Peacock men and women. Uh, I had let it be known that I had heard of their existence, which I had, and that I had something of interest to impart to them, which I had not, through a member who had been introduced to me and who had mentioned the Yazidis in a general conversation on the Middle East. Uh, that he was a priest of the cult became evident when I mentioned the sacred number. The Peacock Cultish British branch, which is what they would be called, did not at that time know that anyone who was reasonably proficient in the, in the Kabbalah system of the Arabs would be able to decipher their holy name. Uh, the aims of the cult are, are distinctly fraternal. The main objectives are sharing of the ecstatic experience which follows the operation of the rituals and mutual help thereafter. These ideas are by no means confined to the peacock people, for they underlie the theories and practices of quite a number of secret societies. What was interesting was to find the cult in London to make contact and to be able to witness the ceremonies mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool yeah. so i love this first person style actually yeah. it's kind of a neat window into this all right um I'll, let me keep reading uh, i can take over if you want <clears throat> sure like sufism which uh with which it is probably connections in the remote past which is sufism is um mystical islam yeah so for anyone that didn't know that okay it's a sect of islam that's more mystical so, yeah. There you go. 
So like Sufism, the peacock religion embraces the belief that the sharing of the rituals will make the worshippers in some way akin to one another and also conduce towards the realization of their ambitions. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> At a, a certain point in his development, the worshipper become, or the worship becomes enlightened as to what his true vocation is and finds the means to satisfy it. Uh, thus, the organization not only offers what might be called peace of mind and spiritual activity, it purports to bring material success in the mundane world as well. Hmm. So, like, uh, so basically what they're saying is they would tap into, like, some deeper, like, purpose in their life? Yeah, so it's a... Through, like, um, vocation? Well, it would be, like, uh, like some new... I, I think of Joel Olstein. Ol oh, great. Kind of like this, because he's saying... You know, if he, I don't know if he, I've never really listened to him, but he wraps it up, I would assume, just by accident, sometimes he might throw in some biblical truth, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he accidentally say something that's biblical. Yeah. So yeah. people are getting some sort of physical uh, thing, but, so they're being fed spiritually, yeah. as well as what they hope to be monetarily. Yeah. Because I put in the margin on my book here, I put materialistic spirituality. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting. So I guess they would equate uh, materialistic success as reaching different levels in, of societal su success in this cult? Yeah, well, I was going to say, it seems like, um, which is like, when you think about like something like the Freemasons or something like that, where they say talk about a fraternal organization. Yeah. So, they're, you know, I've heard stuff where people say like why would they join the freemasons in the first place um for connections you know El elks lodge or you know any yeah um organization that is predominantly like the shriners or yeah, yeah why, why would you do that because you want you know part of it would be to you know help people or what, what in the case of the shriners but it would also be to make connections you know in ways that maybe you have a common interest or something like that yeah um but at the same time you know, so that's one way that you can think of monetarily. Yeah. Like, oh, I, if I join this, if I somehow get in with these prestigious people in a very practical way, if they know me, they might refer me refer to, me to a job or something like that. But at the yeah. same time, there's some secret knowledge or some secret, um, like you think of Eckhart Tolle or stuff like the 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 Secret is like a book that was yeah. very New Age. I remember that. Yeah, it came out a couple. Uh, a, Probably not a couple of years ago, but or the power of now. How, how crazy! They literally call it the secret. Right, exactly. It's so, so it's a, it's all this um, Eastern mysticism, and um, I mean Eckhart Tolle wrote the power of now. I think what it was, but it's this uh, real is I don't know, but basically I can't remember like the term. visualization. And yeah, like but it's self actualization and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's almost like uh, if you see something and you pray for. Um, I can't remember the term. It's bugging me a lot. Um, but if you keep uh, meditating on something, yeah. then eventually it'll oh, it'll uh, transfer into the... Yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm trying to remember it too. Uh, it's literally... Uh, a lot of cultists will do this. Um, they'll use this... They'll say the same phrase over again until it becomes reality. Uh, it's like yeah. they speak into existence. Right. Something that's and what's not... interesting and... So there's this movie that came out, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now. And it was called What the Bleep Do We Know? 
and uh, it was disguised as there, there's some stuff you were talking about a podcast you listened to recently, and I think it goes down the same rabbit hole of this. And some people might be deceived by hearing certain things, like they'll they'll bring in um, this idea of self actualization, which is an Eastern mysticism, Eastern religious teaching and stuff like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but also they'll try to say they'll bring science into it. So that's this thing. Like the, if you watch this, what the bleep do we know? They try to bring quantum mechanics into it. Wow. Um, <laughs> and like the, there's this other book called this, I think it's called the self-aware universe. And uh, I think we had talked about it like there. So this is a little bit of a tangent, but it'll get right. back to, right. yeah. Uh, so this is an argument you might hear and they'll say something like one of the most famous quantum um, like mechanical uh quantum theory test that people always talk about is the double slit experiment where they shoot these beams and they seem to be um, the observable universe. So the act of some person of me looking at this thing makes the atoms or these molecules behave in a particular way. Right. But once the atom somehow knows that there's nobody actually watching it, it behaves in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. So like it's all communicating with the with the invisible and all of that. Right. Yeah. But so so they'll take this science stuff like that and they'll go ahead and say, so by you visualizing and um, looking at something or bringing it into the material world by your thoughts or whatever. Yeah. Um, then you can actually create your own reality. So visualizing money and thinking that and acting like you're already rich, you know, like right. that. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there that you'll hear stuff like that, which is deeply Eastern, uh, esoteric mysticism and stuff like that, which is, so it's not Christian. It's not Christian to think that, uh, definitely you know, not. Christian. You can think things you can, if you just think about being a millionaire, right. One day you're going to be a millionaire. Yeah. The, the whole idea by the act of you thinking about right. it. Right. But, I mean, there can be a practical way, which I would say is not sinful, is... Getting a job. Have, you have a goal. Oh, wait. You want to start a company. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So you bust your butt, and you're like, I want to be a millionaire, instead of sitting around and thinking about it and, you know, buying $1,000 crystals. Dreaming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? Um, you actually go bust your butt, start a c- company, and become a millionaire. So there's a practical way. I mean, if you want to buy a $1,000 crystal, I've got a couple. Um they're available just dm me up on the instagram and i'll uh, make sure you, we can uh, get those to you I, I know friends that spend thousands of dollars on crystals yeah uh, uh yeah anyways so I, that was a good tangent but it i just was. i just wanted to so you may hear this stuff that seems like it's scientific because they're saying you know oh the observable universe the right you know, the, the, the uncertainty principle and all these kind of things schrodinger schrodinger's cat you know like that, right right know, yeah and the thing, um, and there's definitely a tremendous amount of new because of the power of computers now, yeah, uh, and uh, programs. You, it's so much easier for a layman to get involved in some of these things. It has just a little bit of knowledge about these things, and yeah. they can begin to <laughs> create things that they don't even realize. When I say create things, I don't mean like create things. I mean I mean like create an an idea mm-hmm. about something, um, whether it's right, right, you know, that like can be a, spread a, a concept of some kind, yeah. yeah. And uh, and information just spread so spread so quickly, like you were saying. So, yeah. But. So, anyways, but I will say that 
what is totally, I would say, biblical yeah. and totally within the realm of something is that you could be, um, you may have it on your heart that you're supposed to be rich and you want to give money away. You want to become rich. It's just on your heart. You're like, I want to be a f- philanthropist and I don't have a lot of money, but I do, I help out all these shelters and I really have a heart for it. Yeah. What is biblical is that God could totally give you some windfall where all of a sudden you have yeah. some like crazy thing like, oh, you know, that great aunt that you never knew right, about right, or, you yeah. know, some weird thing like that. Oh, you just inherited $10 million. And then, you know, if you're a good steward of less, you'll be given more to be a good steward of. Yeah. So stuff like that can happen. Yeah. But it's not because anything that you did. It's because of God right. seeing that and bless, you know, blessing yeah. you. I mean, he does give a lot of people money, and they're not good stewards with it. Yeah. A lot of money, and they're not, <laughs> they're not good stewards with it. Yeah. But, um... I mean, I know some people that are were good stewards of it and are very rich. Yeah. And um, continue to be good stewards, and they're awesome people. Yeah. So... They don't they go to sleep at night, and they don't, they're not worried about the economy or yeah. so, um, how they're going to retire. I'll end by this and go back into it by saying, there's nothing wrong with rich people. No. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Jesus didn't... Uh, it's not a problem to be rich if you're right. good with it. But, That's right. And it's not bad to want nice things, you know, in a in a way that is not you're such glorifying. A ma- you're such a materialist. I am not a materialist. I am the <laughs> furthest thing from it. No. I dress like I'm homeless. You do. So that I people won't mess with me because no one thinks homeless <laughs> people have anything of worth. And you're, I don't really have much of it You're worth. probably a secret mil- millionaire and you haven't told me yet. No, I'm not. Okay. All right. So anyways, back to that. Although the... <laughs> Although they are, they are not by any means missionaries, the cultists do, do try to att- attract members. This is in accordance with the belief that progress in the things of the world can be achieved by cooperation as well as magic. So there you go. That's the thing about, uh, I was talking about like the Freemasons. Yeah. So in a practical way, like what it said is you want, if we can get this millionaire into our group. Yeah. He can give us jobs in the company or, you know, he knows yeah. people. So there's that, but also we'll rub each other's back, yeah. scratch each other's back or whatever. Uh, Spread the wealth. Right. Exactly. By magic. By, That's the part. By magic. Yeah. So it says, uh, further, it is believed that the magical practices are more likely to succeed if there is a community within which they can be, they can be given expression. Mm-hmm. It was put to, it was put to thus. So it was said this way. Yeah. If three members of the cult get together and decide that they are, are, they are to progress in the world, they may find that they have a call to open, say, a shop. If they have the confidence that this is likely to succeed and they are given the peacock power, <laughs> the environment, or in this case, the shop in which to work, it cannot fail. Mm. So I wonder if um, this is the peacock power just reminded me of something. I wonder if NBC, <laughs> if they're uh, members of this uh, cult. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be yeah it is a peacock though. that's the peacock yeah. right in plain sight in plain sight so yeah. if nothing goes on to which anyone might take exception why is the cult so shy why is its very existence kept secret in the first place much uninformed literature on the subject says that it is the worshippers of the peacock that are devil worshippers mm. uh, the origin of their belief is the Muslim intolerance under the Turks which labeled these sch- schematics schismatic schismatics infidels yeah they're not allowed to use the name of satan satan and it is blacked <laughs> out in their books this is because they're only allowed to think of good and must not retra- retain the idea of evil in their minds mm. cool 
Yeah. Secondly, the high priest told me the organization has pledged to maintain secrecy because there has been no society and no country in which the ecstatics have not been subjugated to persecution, subjected. Um, we must be allowed to operate for ourselves and with ourselves. We are not interested in casual onlookers and press sensationalism. You want to take it off? Uh, sure. Sorry, I just talked a lot. I need to <laughs> take a sip. Uh, I was reading ahead a little bit there. Um, the nature of... Yeah. The nature of the ecstatic exper experience, which is attained by the members, is, of course, the kernel of the whole thing. But let us start from the beginning. Members are expected to be on the watch for possible recruits. The theory is that there is deep down inside almost everyone a feeling that he is unfulfilled. This fulfillment is sought in the career, in promotion, in money, in marriage, or hobbies. But there remain a large number of individuals who do not attain it. These are the prospective members of any cult and especially of the peacock people. In conversation, the member is to find out the mental attitude of the prospective recruit. What are his hopes and fears? What are his weaknesses and strengths? What are his goals in life? Report on, reports on these people are submitted to the high priest, providing that the potential member is not deeply in debt or thought to have any unusual or perverted interests. <laughs> and once he has developed an interest in fulfilling himself, he can be put on the list of candidates for missionary development. So this is the the process of uh, getting involved and... Finding people. Mo moving up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, people who already have a metaphysical commitment or learnings towards spiritualism or organized religion in any form are barred. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, the candidate is asked whether he would like to take part in group discussions or demonstrations of contemplation and concentration based upon Eastern model. So that's what you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of, if you can think it, you can get it. Right. You can achieve it. If he agrees, he begins to attend meetings at which he is developed. This development takes form of the form of going through exercises which give him the power to direct his mind at will upon certain thoughts and exclude others. If he is interested in hypnotism, he may be taught this with the reservation that the group's attitude towards hypnosis is that it is of limited value except in the early stages of spiritual development. He brings his problems to the leader of the circle. These difficulties are met in discussion, in training how to overcome worry and confusion, again by concentration and meditation. The entire program of mind training is leading the candidate towards the, the mystical experience, although he may not yet be aware that, that this is so, or even that such a thing exists. So, man, they're kind of covering a little bit of everything. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they want to they don't want to include anybody that has any kind of religious background yeah. or who, who has faith. Um, I guess that's just going to get in the way of their... Uh, well, it's a lot harder to break down somebody if they have yeah. um, a strong belief. Yeah, you got to deprogram them. Yeah. They gotta, you got to deconvert. And, and then... it's interesting. Maybe they think that people who already have religious leanings are... Uh, um, it's too much work. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it, it, if you see a business owner, this guy, you know, two guys own pizza shops, right? Whatever. <laughs> bad example. Okay, bad example. <laughs> two guys own uh, used sporting goods stores. <laughs> I can't think of anything else at the top of my head. Shoe stores. Shoe stores. Perfect. There you go. And uh, one of them is a deeply devout 
Jewish guy or something like that, right? Yeah. And the other guy is not religious at all? Just secular, yeah. Yeah, which one's going to be easier to try to yeah. make this stuff sound appealing? Yeah. Um, and it also talked about, which is interesting, it said it talked about how every person long it says you know everyone has the feeling that they're unfulfilled yeah so maybe someone which i mean the bible talks about that yeah and that we have we all have a, a yearning a natural yearning um i'm paraphrasing do you know that he's placed eternity in the hearts of man ecclesiastes chapter four yeah there yeah. you go so. so everyone is feeling unfulfilled if they don't have yeah jesus and there there is something missing well, and this is like the the groundwork for idolatry, if I ever saw it. Right. Because you try and replace what God gives with some kind of material or materialistic thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes spiritual things, but oftentimes there, this is what's so funny too, as you were talking about like the Jewish guy and the, and the secular guy in the shoe store. Um, a lot of organized religions, uh, they have an aspect to them, which is generous and, and sacrificial. Mm -hmm. Like all, almost all of them do. There's some form of sacrificial, uh, behavior from the person that follows it. Right, like strapping a bomb to your chest and blowing up a <laughs> school bus full of children. That's one form. I was thinking more along the lines of it is better to give than to receive, uh, like in Christian charity, you know. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, the whole, well, the economy of God's kingdom, right, in general is, yeah. uh, you know, if you want to get, you need to give. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work like our economy does. You want to live, you got to die. You're yeah. not like bomb strapping to your chest die well but they believe that they believe that but that's an error <laughs> so uh anyways yeah so yeah. all right let me go on okay uh so we were talking about the initiate and uh some of his mystical experiences it says if he finds as he generally does that he is deriving benefit from this form of psychotherapy he is told that he can progress further but that in order to do so he must place himself completely in the hands of the master of the circle the high priest here we go. I knew it was just a matter of time before the other shoe dropped, right? Yeah, I do want to say it, it is interesting. There are, um, I was trying to think off the top of my head, I can't remember which particular cults. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> I've never, I've never burped like that before. Coke Zero I'm burps so sorry. the bed. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, uh, I've never done that before. Welcome to Lowbrow Podcasting. I'm so sorry. Uh, Maybe just the talking about a cult um, <laughs> just made me, oh my goodness, I'm yeah. embarrassed. Cut that out. Um, um, but yeah, there's cults that start off like this because he says if he's, um, if he likes this psychotherapy. Yeah. And so, so they get him in with uh, self-help and some basic meditation tools to calm down someone. And then they're like, okay, so now you want to learn more about that. You've gotten some benefit. Right. Like Scientology does this. Yeah. In yeah. a way where they say, hey, let's, we'll, we'll uh, do this test. And, you know, you do the, the personality thing and they give you, they actually literally do stuff like this where they give you basic self-help stuff. Yeah. And then, oh, you got a, you got a lot out of that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, there's a lot more to and, it too, isn't it? And they're just letting your guard, they're like slowly pulling your guard down. Yeah. You're like more trusting yeah, because like value hey, in man. some way, oh, dude, you might get some value out of the initial stuff that they are going with. So, yeah. I actually know some Christians that got hypnotized to try and quit smoking, and uh, it didn't work. I've been hypnotized. Have you? Yeah. Oh man, I'd love to know what that's like. Yeah, I don't. Up. I don't want to be hypnotized ever. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's there's weird stuff around it. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that off the yeah. off the podcast. Though. Okay. <laughs> now <laughs> everyone listening is gonna be like, oh, dude, I want to hear about Rosie's yeah. hypnosis. They, they were crazy. I did a couple se- uh, sessions. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, I'll keep reading. Yeah. So uh, I apologize again for the burp. <laughs> so he's placed his hands completely in the he's placed his life or himself completely in the hands of the master of the circle, the high priest. At this point, uh, some out of the running, partly no doubt because quite a number of people object to being told exactly what to do. The remainder, however, carry on. The next part of the training is to carry out specific exercises, mental and physical, in a gradual course until he can fill his mind with various emotions at will, joy, fear, optimism, a sensation of power. He is given words to repeat before going to sleep. Any dreams are to be carefully uh, noted, for these are looked upon as omens and are interpreted in accordance with the fixed rules by the master or the guide his assistant. So we have a high priest and now we have a master or a guy, an assistant. That's probably the person that got him into the cult. Right. To go. And so they're, uh, now they're trying to involve at will emotion control. Yeah. Uh, and dream logs, you know, which yeah. I believe in dreams. I mean, God uses dreams in the Bible. He's used dreams all the time. I mean, happens all the time, but not every dream is from God. Right. And I always get nervous when people are like, oh, I had a dream. Um, it's really funny. Uh, some people have really accurate dreams. Yeah. They're, you know, prophetic. Well, that's probably because they have the gift of prophecy. Yeah, right? Or dreams, spiritual gift of yeah. dreams or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but, but a lot of that is based off of <coughs> Carl Jung. I think he was the first one that wrote um, the first study of dreams. And a lot of really? stuff. I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote, like, I, I'm pretty sure that's what, like, the standard go-to um medical derived thing like if you go and look up oh yeah. what's it what's the the like, bi- the bible of dream interpretation or something like that oh yeah that's carl right. jung did uh that's right i'm pretty sure it's that. carl jung i'm almost positive it's carl jung that went through all this and so he like or identifies freud. it was either freud or jung but i think it was jung yeah i do remember hearing about this now and he like identifies like certain things like if you dream of a red umbrella it, it like he almost red interpret- means something umbrella means right, something right. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he had some weird stuff. So I would say, yeah, also be wary of reading <laughs> some of this stuff. Cause there's uh he's not as bad as Freud. No, Freud was a freak. Freud was a freak. <laughs> <laughs> Get your freak on Freud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so be careful with that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read some or do you want me to? Yeah, man, I'll, I'll take over. All right, cool. There's no carefully worked out theology in the movement. The peacock represents the power, which is in charge of human affairs. And anyone who wants to enter the fold must believe that there is such a power. I talked to several members who said they had been recruited at a stage before this, however. They were curious to know how various of their friends were able to battle life without flinching, were able to achieve what others could not, and so on. They asked, and were brought straight into the instructional phase, at which there is no preaching, only practice of exercises. When the exercises seemed to work, they were told that it was through the power which was called the Peacock Angel. And there were probably several hundred members throughout <coughs> Britain, and I was told of three lodges in the United States. Some of the members live in live <laughs> some of the members have live peacocks in which they are kept as <laughs> symbols of the path upon which they have embarked. Dude, wait a second. Yeah. That is something. I've been to more than a handful of very wealthy people's homes. Yeah. And when they have lots of property, there are peacocks oftentimes 
on the property. You ever? I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Uh, Peacocks can—they're pretty. Yeah. They're pretty durable birds. They can live in a lot of different environments, like extreme heat. They're not—they're not, they're not going to have problems in heat. Yeah, I don't know. And I've, cold. I've never been to. I don't know. I don't know about that. I—I—I I, I have no experience with that. I, the weirdest. I well, I'm making connections here. Okay. I would. That is, there probably is something to it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I maybe even it's just like uh, like a thing for wealthy people. It's like a symbol of of authority, power, and wealth, or something. Yeah, I mean that would make sense too. I was yeah. gonna say the only uh, crazy animal, super yeah. rich person I knew. Yeah, <laughs> the story is amazing. Yeah, no, he just had he had three kangaroos. kangaroos. <laughs> oh, I love that story. Oh yeah, That's so such a that cool was the weird. That was the only rich animal, <laughs> really super rich friend that had weird animals. Oh, oh um, man. Okay, yeah. So after the ceremony just mentioned. Worshippers and guests were ushered into a large, well-furnished room where refreshments, no alcohol, were laid out on buffet tables. They had removed their outer robes and stood revealed as ordinary men and women, much like the type whom one might meet at a better kind of cocktail party in the West One District of London. The sign of identification, I'm pretty sure, is thus. The right hand is placed with the fingers spread out, perhaps to represent the tail of a peacock, Mm. on the left breast, just above the heart. And the countersign may have been stroking the chin with the left hand. The latter symbol is one which has been in use in, for many centuries among mystical fraternities of the Middle East, mm. from which the London peacock people have, have undoubtedly derived their rituals and probably their beliefs as well. In the Middle East, the chin is stroked with the right hand. Oh. So it's a backwards It is backwards. Thing. Yeah. It's funny because I'm left-handed, and I will play with my beard. And it's always my left hand. I don't know about you. Yeah. Dude, by the way, National Left-Handed Day was just the other day. Yeah, I couldn't care less. I'm left-handed, <laughs> man. You should care. One of one of my sisters. One of your best friends is lefty. Well, that's maybe jumping a little too much. <laughs> what? <I'm just> <laughs> I've been I've been smoking that sticky sticky green stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. We worked it in twice. We did. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, out of the 60 members whom I saw at this meeting, none looked like a foreigner. None of the working class, nobody seemed on superficial inspection to be the wild-eyed crank type. So this writer. They're, they're normal people. Rich, wealthier, normal people. Prayers are- <laughs> right. I'm just thinking about what Biden said recently. What you- about oh. <laughs> about <laughs> poor, poor people have as much... Oh, talk about a racial statement, man. Poor black kids are just as smart as white kids. No, he just said wait. poor people are just as smart as, as white, white kids. kids. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's not good, man. Crazy Joe. Crazy old Joe. Oh, man. Prayers are said in private to a small, probably silver, image of a peacock. These or such of some of them were shown to me, did not seem to ask for much else other than enlightenment, material progress, and mystical experience. When it is desired to attain an objective of a more specific type, special rituals are used of a magical type. Um, He said, I asked the high priest about black magic and evil wishing. Mm. This is what the high priest said about that. Black magic is an appeal to the power of evil. We believe that evil is not a power in its own right, but an unhealthy force which can be built up in a man's or woman's mind. So that's interesting. Hence, 
they have a theology. <laughs> it right. said earlier, they don't have like a real assigned theology, although. Although they do. But I was going <laughs> right. to say, that's, uh, again, this thing you'll hear where people talk about, uh, I think it's, I want to say it's Hindus, or no, Buddhists, that uh, evil, like, you know, uh, evil doesn't really exist. It's just a um, perception, but there's no... Like they, it's not organized in the. I was gonna say like they would, they would say that Satan is like misunderstood, you know. But there's all this <laughs> kind of stuff where there's not really evil; it's just your um, attitude towards it. Yeah. So you know that's like a very new age thing where it's like you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. Where no, it's like, I know oh, what my you're mom died. Yeah, well, think about this. She's not in pain. You know, like they'll try to do stuff like that. Where they they literally try to take away any kind of evil. There is right. no objective evil, right? Or you know anything. No, thing I like hear that. you. Yeah, like there's not a there's not a singular evil force that's organized, structured, it's just your, and intentional. Right. It's right. your perception towards something. So well, they which, wouldn't even they would black out the word Satan in their right in they're their not literature. Even allowed to think about it in the first place. So they're not even allowed to mention it. So. Yeah, they're going to have a pretty skewed view on evil. Yeah. Uh, therefore, we do not... So, I just want to point that, because these are the subtleties that you may not think much about. Yeah. But they actually are... Huge. ...rooted in... They're not Christian. They're, right. They're not a Christian or... Well, they're just not truth. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> they're just not go. truth, you know? Yeah. Uh, it says, therefore, we do not give it a place in our thoughts. Evil, evil, evil stuff. <laughs> uh, to think about it would be to admit its existence and get give it reality and focus. So by thinking evil, then you're actually creating evil, which is kind of... Uh, it's like the opposite of the power of positive thinking. Yeah, but I was going to say that kind of negates itself because if you're thinking something into existence, it has to be there right. to exist in the first place. So therefore... Ooh, they're like, they're like actually doing their own... Uh, they're, like their, their logic they're, doesn't follow through. It's like, well, don't think about evil because it doesn't exist. They're punking their own self. And then if you do think of evil, which doesn't exist, now it exists. That's right. So <laughs> you just so does it exist? <laughs> <laughs> so you got to like think some of these things through just a, just a step. Right. Yeah. But uh, see, that's your religious background coming in. And that's why they don't want you guys in. It's true. In the peacock cult. Yeah. Uh, just a little basic logic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, therefore, the devil does not exist for us. Those who revere evil are as bad as those who fear or hate it. We ignore it completely. The same answer gives you the explanation why we cannot indulge in evil spells and the like. They must not exist because we do not allow evil to exist in us. Mm. Since we are aiming at removing the evil from people's minds, we cannot allow thoughts fit to enter. The thoughts which we have here are all constructive. Okay, so that's where they say, like, at the beginning they have two thoughts that which is constructive is one of them and right. informative was that the other one no i think was it was it? like income <laughs> something it's like yeah we're gonna get that money and we're gonna build stuff <laughs> we're gonna be thinking good it was construction and increase that's increase yeah so that's the construction part of it there that's that's cool yeah. um i mean no not really cool that came out <laughs> wrong <laughs> you wanna yeah okay uh let's see here uh how was the order of the black peacock financed uh, it says there is certainly a good deal of evidence of, that money is being spent upon it. Duh. <laughs> you will see, said the priest, uh, one way in which money comes to the shrine. Uh, you can draw your own conclusions from it. Uh, but I, w I may tell you that the organization is not run for profit, and members make money as a result of any activity of whose success they have prayed to the peacock. 
they pay two and a half percent of that to the shrine. So they've already got a, a tithe of two and a half percent. This money they keep in their own possession and they lay it out for objectives, which are decided by the council. Who were the council? The council changes every year. And on the occasion of the spring of our spring festival, the first Wednesday in April, uh, there are two representatives for every 20 members Elections are among all the members. I suppose that the priests had an automatic seat on the council. Not at all. In this year's council, for instance, there was no priestly member. So uh, what I find interesting about that is not so much the council and all that, because a lot of people do that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, but the fact that it's when it is is in the first Wednesday of April in the spring. And I just think about like other cultic pagan things. Yeah. That when is the... The the May Maypole or May Day or whatever they call it. The, yeah, but I feel like I, I've read something about that particular time in April. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say anything. Well, there more. is a solstice that happens, so it could be lunar related, yeah. you know, um, but I'd have to look. But it yeah. just it just popped in my mind when I was like, why is yeah. the first Wednesday in April and in spring? Like yeah. every spring they do this. But, you know, spring represents new life and they're probably trying to start uh, initiate a new thing and right. put new people in place. Or I'm I'm gonna give them the benefit. I'm gonna think positively about this. Right, <laughs> uh, I'm laughing inside because it's just a joke. Uh, <clears throat> uh, did the order hold much property? No, it seemed none. Who then financed the meeting uh, such as this one? In rotation of the surname initials, the members who have members who have accumulated profits from the intervention of the peacock in their businesses and professional affairs. So it's self-financed by members. Yeah. So, uh, so they got people that are much more, um, generous, I guess I had been interested for many years in the ecstatic religion and was determined if I could, uh, if I could to be allowed to see the exact method by which the members work themselves up into the frenzy and what happened then? It shall be as you desire," said the priest. "You are in you are in any case invited in, into the urs. That's U R Z. That or U R S. That's how it's spelled. This word is the standard one for the festival of the patron saint in Arabic and Persian. Ten days later, I was picked up at uh, Chaplain uh, Clapham Common Underground Station. I guess that's a place in England. After a telephone message, it seemed that there was still some doubts as to whether I was working for a newspaper or might be in some way let out a little that I let out a little I had learned. In any case, the number the number of plates on the car which met me were all convert covered with mud, and <clears throat> and the homely but self possessed woman sitting in the back kept me talking all time while we were traveling to the scene of the meeting. Do you swear? On every holy book upon your honor, upon the life and the death of yourself and those dearest to you without reservation, that you will not give others the opportunity of contacting us so that you will treat our cult with respect and that you will help not hinder us in anything connected with with us while you are convinced that we are worthy of this trust and consideration. I do, as he wrote a book. Uh, story about right. it <laughs> yeah i do like how they said uh they straight up said cult yeah about our cult that our cult yeah isn't that interesting they actually do that. uh in the growing dusk the house to which uh we were driven seemed an ordinary small suburban one inside it was neat and clean and showed that a 
that it was a place of no great size. My friend, the high priest, was there in the front room, sitting with about ten, ten more or less serious-faced people, some of whom I recognized from the original meeting. There were new faces, too. A tiny oil lamp burned in a niche by the door. Newcomers passed their hands over it to purify themselves as the Kurds do. We were given green tea, small cakes with icing upon them. The talk was general, and it seemed to be commercial rather than anything else. Any group of people, I thought, perhaps uncharitably, who met regularly and helped each other in business affairs, and who believed as firmly that there was a special supernatural blessing upon their activities, would achieve prosperity in the long run. There were sounds of music from the next room, much less in, in, uh, insistent than before. One by one, the members rose and excused themselves. I sat and talked with the barrister and an, an accountant about my days with the uh, dervishes in Asia and Africa, and I found out they were, they were most interested. Uh, these se they seemed to feel that there was a point of contact, uh, contact presently about half an hour after we had started tea. The priest took me by the arm. The time has come for me to go in. Oh, it's getting serious now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here we go. I, I keep thinking of that scene in Eyes Wide Shut when uh, <laughs> that scene. Where when he's about to walk into the, yeah. the, the end. That was intense when yeah. he had his hand on the door and all that. So anyways. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cooper got killed for that film. I know, dude. So that's something was being revealed there. Yep. All right. A short passage led to the other reception room of the house. As we reached the door, he removed his shoes, and I did the same. Inside, sitting on small hassocks. What's a hassock? I, I've never even heard of that before. Seemed like a little chair. Yeah. And swaying in time to the music. Oh, uh, probably a hammock. No, I think they were sitting on these small, like, hassocks. It's a... He just asked what a hassock is. Yeah, but I mean, I think... I'm, all right, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll Google it later. Yeah. Uh, swaying in time to the music were the other members of the cult. In one corner stood a small, a smaller peacock statue standing on a large bronze vessel of water. The water was distinctly bubbling. In one corner sat a musician playing a guitar from which a, a haunting melody seemed to creep through me. Its effect upon the rest of the congregation was even more remarkable. The hassocks were arranged in a semicircle around the image of the bird. Some of the figures which sat upon them had their faces covered by their hands. Others swayed with their eyes closed. Still others had their hands clasped around their legs. About half were women, their ages between 20 and 30. As I watched, a man stood up and moved towards the statue and threw a rolled-up piece of paper into the water. Nothing happened for a few minutes as he took his place again among the worshippers. Uh, in his eyes, a faraway look. Then a woman with smiling face and, and D's beating out the... <laughs> I don't know what that is. And D's. Hands. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, just a misspelling on the thing there. Uh, beating out the melody on her sides, <laughs> approached the silent and said, Thank you, thank you. So when they're worshiping this peacock image, yeah. man, it's like total idolatry. The same kind of action was repeated several by several more worshipers. After 30 minutes, I noticed half of the people had left the room. Meanwhile, my priest had apparently fallen into a trance. He sat on the floor, his body rigid, eyes staring unwrinkling open. 
someone about to leave the room accidentally touched him and and became rigid in his turn, slowly shrinking, sinking down upon his knees, his muscles stiffening, eyes turned towards the peacock. That's what, my friends, we call a demonic manifestation. That's <laughs> what that is. Oh, man. All right. Be a, being a witness to this to to a scene as this is sure to have some effect upon the observer. I noted that if I looked at the statue and listened to the music, I felt a wave upon wave of something sweeping over me. Whether this is a suggestion or not, it was actually taking place in the only place that mattered, my mind, and my mind was in, was influencing the body into greater and greater rigidity. I found that I could inhibit this process by looking at something else. Finally, I decided to allow the experience take shape, and I would partake of the mystery of the power of the peacock. He gave in to the peacock. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine just looking at this dumb, lifeless statue and then feeling all these intense feelings? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it too, but it's just weird. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah, group psychosis. Yeah, and demonic. Yeah. It's straight up demonic. And they were all... Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. <laughs> we got it three times on one episode. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, do you want to go or you want me to keep going? Sure, I'll read. Okay. One did not lose consciousness, I found. The mind became more and more awake while the body seemed to recede in some way into complete unimportance. The sensation as it grew was one of the most, one of the most ineffable relief of joy or happiness such as one had only felt before in moments of exceptional fulfillment. So there's that, uh, like, Jesus moment that people talk about. Like, that's the same kind of thing, like this spiritual awakening kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Time had no meaning. There was nothing in the mind except the desire to allow this blissful state to continue, for it seemed to pour fresh strength into me. I was going to say, it's really interesting. I think we talked about this before. Um but meditation, I mean, that's all what these guys are doing. They're going into yeah. a trance. And we've talked about this numerous times, but bring it up again. Meditation of this kind of the Eastern uh, origins, tantric style, you know, yeah. uh, I can't remember the, not transcendental. Yes. There's a whole thing, transcendental meditation where it's all, or, you know, so is, should a Christian meditate? Answer, probably not. <laughs> Depends how. Yeah, um, but actual meditation in the form that these guys do it, which is what standard meditation means. Yeah, is demonic. It's evil. It is not the pop of, the popular meditation. If you right, will. it's not yeah. of God. Like a Christian meditation would be like reading the words of the Bible. Right, right. Reading scripture, praying, being still with it. Yeah, thinking about it, asking God to you know, maybe make sense of something you don't understand or, you know, waiting for thinking about it. But you, it's an, uh, a passively active thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. turn your, your brain off. No, you're actually thoroughly engaged and yeah, un- yeah. undistracted. Right. And so you can get into a blissful state by focusing on the word. And there is good that comes from that. And, you know, focusing on God and that kind of meditation, meditating on certain you know things like that yeah but what this is where they talk about completely there's nothing of the mind the body became unimportant that's this whole thing which is again itself right like yeah and it's this um it's a very eastern thing and i found out i'm just gonna say this that 
really blew my mind, which was weird. That apparently some sects of Judaism actually believe in that, that there's no distinct afterlife. That's why they don't believe in necessarily a heaven in the same way that we do. Right. Is in, in that's very troubling. And I'll have to talk to some of my Jewish friends about that. Cause I heard a very prominent Jew talk about that. Um, when asked about heaven. Yeah. I mean, and, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I think most politically attuned, <clears throat> attuned people heard that. I would maybe, love to just say, Hey, Facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, but he had said, "Yeah, we don't we don't believe in a distinct thing." And when uh, when we believe when people die, they're also universalist, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but when, this isn't here to bash them. Um, but this, <laughs> um, I love my Jewish friends. But uh, the thing is that they're not dis- distinct people, and you don't use your brain. That's what this is talking about. It's very, it's not evil or it is evil. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not good. Um, and it opens a gateway for things to enter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the angel of light, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but I was going to say, I can't remember which verse it is. Um, but there's one, it was either Paul or Peter. I'm pretty sure talked about using all of our faculties. We to reason with things and to think and, to use our brains basically that it is it is good for christians to use your brain it is not yeah. good to go into this autopilot to focus on nothing yeah. to use ohms and stuff like that yeah yeah which is meaningless phrases that to take your attention away to meaninglessness uh it's not biblical the biblical thing is to use our brains to focus on in an active yeah. way yeah so yeah and you Sorry. know, some, what's weird too is I'll just say that some of the stuff that they're describing I've seen in some like very charismatic uh, worship Church. services. Yeah, which bothers me a little bit. Yeah, I, well, I mean, when you get the body, when you get a lot of the body into it, yeah, and you go to exhaustion and stuff like that, past the point of exhaustion, um, like the runner's high or something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that. That there is a natural endorphins get released, but yeah. it's. There's a different way when it's... it's physio- being, that's physiological too, though. Yeah, and yeah. music. Music is a big thing that is not good. <laughs> like, well, it can be, yeah. Well, I mean, in the same way that a lot of cults use it in a... Um, like these droning... Like if you listen to... Yeah. Um, like these beats, like, you know, uh, meditation music. Yeah. It's not like classical, beautiful, you know, Beethoven or something like that where it's engaging and it's stimulating. It's the opposite. It's like some shutting you down. It's some bowl, you know, or right. like a not a gong, but like some Asian, you know, like some, <laughs> where they hit it and it's like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, that. Just, yeah, just and you just focus on the sound and you don't do anything about that. So it's uh, it's yeah. very troubling. I hear you. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, that was good. Um, that was good so stuff. It said uh, I was able at the same time to take note of what was going on around me and also to think if I wished of some other things. The first extra, extra, wow, oh my goodness, I cannot read, I am tired. Yeah. The first extraordinary development within my thinking was that when I let myself think about a certain problem, the solution suddenly flashed into my mind. This had the same quality of certainty that exists when one dreams that one has settled one's worries, a lot of ones. The difference this time was that the solution was in fact correct, and I was able to act upon it later. Um, it's evil. You know, I was going <laughs> to, so I was going to say this, I, I, I feel bad cause I keep talking every time I 
start reading. Um, here's a question for you, Pastor. Right. Pastor Turner. What? Um, can Satan or demonic beings or demons or things like this know things that are true outside of our time? They may be able to tell correct things, um, like in this case. I'm thinking of a solution. I'm thinking of a problem. Right. The solution comes to me. It's not from God. It's from some other uh, heavenly uh, being or something like that. That it's not good. Will they able to some extent? Can they read your mind? No, not not can they read your mind. No. Can they be true in telling the future in some ways? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think uh, first of all, humanity is very predictable. Right. We, uh, when you take, say, uh, you've been observing, uh, well, just, I'll be a very crude example. Yeah. Say you, say you raise sheep. You're a shepherd. Uh, after like three or four generations of sheep, you pretty much know what they do, how right. they react, what, what they do. <laughs> yeah. They're very predictable because you've been around them. Imagine a spiritual deity I say deity in the sense that it's eternal, in the sense that it was made by God, but it's not God, uh, but a spiritual being that's been around since before creation of man, has observed everything from the beginning of time, and it knows the the cyclical ways that man works, the the bait that we fall for, all of those things. It knows exactly how what our appetites are, mm. uh, exactly how to trip us up. Of course, it's going to have an ability to predict the future and predict. I mean, think about it this way. If there's a cult designed around materialistically advancing yourself financially, most of the people going in there want and have needs to get wealthy. Right. So why, like it's literally a setup Mm -hmm. like for, for the enemy to come in and start to, you know, implant thoughts and, whisper things in this time especially when you're opening yourself up spiritually right you know you're yeah. basically laying yourself in front of them saying hey say do whatever you want i'm here right so yes yeah does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. i wish yeah. i had some scriptures to do it well, but... i was gonna say didn't they in the they had prophecies that were not of god back in egypt and stuff like that right uh so well even in the in jesus time there was like well even with paul Mm-hmm. There was a, a a girl going around reading futures. Right. You know, she was like a like a fortune teller or whatever. And in those situations, um, it's really interesting because uh, I think there's and when we're getting into an area, another tangent, and maybe we might even have to finish this next week or something like yeah. that, like <clears throat> with part of our next one. But um, you know, there is a there, something called familiar spirit. It's known in cir- Christian circles as familiar spirits. And these familiar spirits um, have tendencies to function in the same way in people's lives. You know, they're, they're recognizable traits, how they work in people's lives. And so they, they start with a person at a young age. And so what could happen is, uh, you know, you have a, someone goes to a fortune teller. This spirit who's been with this person hanging out with them for <laughs> their whole 30 life. 30 years, yeah. yeah. It's going to whisper things to that in the spirit realm, it's going to whisper things to that palm reader who's tuned into something or that fortune teller, and they're going to know things, you know? And as far as the future goes, I think, you know, the future is always like, it's the future. So you can almost say anything. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I can remember before I was a Christian, I went to a palm reader and, and uh, <laughs> they they told me, oh, I was going to have five kids and I was going to live a really long life and, you know, all these other things. And, um, you know, so you're going to die soon then <clears throat> I'm going to die. I only have three kids. <laughs> she was so off. No, but um, I remember leaving there and uh, and it gave me some cor- some sort of like, oh, man, this like a mystical fulfillment, you know, yeah, it's just sad. It's just really sad, it's, yeah. especially when we're told in Scripture that God knows all the hairs on your head. He knows all the days of your life are numbered, and he has them in mind. Uh, like, y- your future, once you're resting in Christ, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, that's the good news. That's, like, the real end when it comes to, like, like material things. And, well, it's like God provides. Yeah. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's like if he's a good father, a good father would make sure their kids yeah like get taken care of in a in a practical way yeah so i didn't mean to preach there no that's right i went to i, I had uh my future read as well oh you did a couple of years ago a couple of years yeah ago. we'll talk more it recently was, it was weird it was Dude, a, it was a weird thing this podcast i'm finding a lot of things about you were hypnotized <laughs> you went and saw a palm reader yeah um or, so, or crystal ball. Did she have a crystal ball no it was some weird native american thing Oh, oh great. It. it was weird. <laughs> Did you uh, have to smoke some of that? Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. <laughs> no. Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wear it out. I yeah. Mean, people aren't going to want to do that anymore. Okay. I'll just start reading. I'll yeah. Stop taking tangents. The second phenomenon was a vast expansion of memory. Trying to recall a time about which my memory was slight, I fixed upon a moment many years ago when I was carrying out a study of symbols used in ancient cultures. Anyone who has had the difficulty of absorbing and correlating masses of almost meaningless designs would somehow would understand how I felt when I suddenly realized that these shapes were whirling past my mind like an unreeling film. Mm. There was all the material available whenever I wanted to see it, stop it, or reel it back. Wow. Had I been doped, (laughs) drugged, (laughs) I examined this thought at leisure. Yes, it was possible. I could test this by not eating or drinking anything next time, if there was to be a next time. Meanwhile, I tried to recall the symptoms of the use of various drugs, and the whole complicated data, which I had read and discussed years ago, flashed back into my amazing new mind. Yet I could not account for the symptoms, unless I was in such a state that I was in no condition to seek them in myself, (laughs) physically speaking. There was no disturbance of sight, no vomiting, no sweating, no apparent disturbance in the heartbeat, no sensation of flying, no shortness of breath, no distortion as far as I could see in thought. Was it hypnosis? Was it easy enough to think that I might be? But no form of hip- hypnotism is conclusively known without, suge- without suggestion, in spite, as, in spite of what the sens- sensational novelists say. It is easy, easy to use phrases as suggestibility induced by drugs but any experimenter knows that the effects vary and that the phrase has less meaning than it seems to have if i were drugged or hypnotized i would be able to see by i would able to see by one test could i rouse myself then slip back into the state at will i tried and i could then there is a matter of idiosyncrasy which the would-be dopers could not know. <laughs> I was, for example, a very difficult hypnotic subject. Further, my tolerance to drugs is so low <laughs> that in all cases of narcotics being administered to me, I have had the most severe hangover, and I cannot be roused easily. 
I decided, therefore, to rouse myself and go to the other room to see what my symptoms might be then. I stood, shaking off the influence, whatever it was. In an instant, all seemed dear again. Passing by the door, I moved quietly through the passage where a number of <laughs> a number of peacock people were sitting, <laughs> talking in low tones. I sat down on a settee. Nothing seemed in any way changed. There was no explanation. The roots of the peacock angel cult in the west must be sought at the sanctuary of Sheikh Adi, north of Mosul in Iraq. In spite of what Madame Blavatsky, it was very interesting, and uh, she wrote a lot about stuff like this, uh, theosophy, I think Mm -hmm. is her thing that she wrote. Um, It's pretty evil, but she's really well known. If you want to know, read yeah. some stuff. But yeah. interesting. Read some of her stuff and you'll see some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Interesting, though. Um, so in spite of what Madame Blavatsky, who claimed to have visited them, said, the Yazidi peacock people are, in fact, Kurds, and their language is Kurdish. The name by which they style themselves is taken from an old Persian word, Aizid, meaning originally something which is to be worshipped and the reputation as devil worshippers has melted before the light of modern scholarship. The Turks, who tried to convert them to Orthodox Islam, (laughs) and the Western missionaries, who are somewhat baffled by their rights, are mainly responsible for the label of demonolatry. Demonolatry. Demonolatry, which stuck in a many popular imagination to produce a good deal of lurid fiction. The journalistic Blavatsky is at her most at her most imaginative in the following, which she evidently claimed to be based upon a visit by the to the Yazidis. They are called and known everywhere as devil worshippers, and most certainly it is not either through ignorance or obscure obscuration that they had set up the worship of and regular intercommunication with the lowest and most malicious of both elemental and elementaries, so spirits. Yeah. Um, they recognize the present wickedness of the chief of the black powers, but at the same time they dread his powers and try to con- try to concili- conciliate to themselves his favors. They join hands and form immense rings with their sheik or an officiating priest in the middle who claps his hands and intones every verse in honor of the sheeton. Then they whirl and leap in the air. When the frenzy is at its climax, they often wound and cut themselves with daggers. They coax and praise praise Sheetan and entreat him to manifest himself in his works by miracles. As their rites are chiefly accomplished by night, they do not fail to obtain manifestations of a varied character, the least of which are enormous globes of fire, which take the shapes of the most uncouth animals." The authoress of Isis Unveiled, from which this this extract is taken, evidently did not feel herself bound by the limitations of the human knowledge of her day. But the Yazidis are at least partly responsible for their misunderstanding. It is only relatively recently that they have explained to all and sundry that they will not pronounce the word Shetan, which is Satan, hmm. because of the very use of the sound they think is associated with the power of evil. Satan, they hold, was a fallen archangel whose period of power over mankind was limited. He is now rehabilitated Hmm. and influences the affairs of man in both good and bad ways. The force of evil is disappearing with with his guilt, but can be contacted and delayed in the disappearance by those who think about it. Who actually was their founder? 
Oddly enough, Sheikh Adi is one of the most sanctified Sufi mystics of the 11th century. As the authoritarian Encyclopedia of Islam has it, it seems that, quote, the Yazidis should have chosen as a national saint a, sheik, a Sufi sheikh like Adi <laughs> B. Musafir, recognized without qualification throughout the the whole Mohammedan, <laughs> I love that word, the whole Muslim, right? the whole Muslim world, whose orthodoxy, <laughs> as we find it in his works, could hardly have led to the foundation of a sect so heterodox and foreign to the nation of is the nature of Islam as Yazidism actually is. But it, it is possible that the esoteric teaching, which is carefully preserved by the Sufis, might have been passed on in the case of followers of Edi, Adi in this form. Certain it is some of their beliefs and practices are, are similar to those known to the Sufis. So they're pairing them together. So. Yeah. You wanna... yeah. The Yazidis are superficially organize, organized in a manner similar to the Sufi uh, der, dervishes. And the similarities which have, have been pointed out between them and the Buddhists are, are probably derived from, uh, from Sufi origins. Man, they're just a plethora of... Like they're a cornucopia yeah. of uh, weird things. The laity are all termed murids or disciples because the entire nation is considered to be composed of would-be initiates. The clergy are called uh, kahanas or mystical leaders or else ruhan, which is a term signifying those who can enter a deep trance. The ordering of the various ruhans closely follows Sufians. The sheikhs are all descendants from Adi and wear white robes and black turbans. They form the highest class of ascetic. Under, the, under them come the peers, or ancients, or sages, black-robed and white turbans, while the, the fakirs, hey, hey, <laughs> the fakirs, <laughs> or ordinary <laughs> ecstatics, form the rank and file of the mystics. They also have a sisterhood called the fakiria, the little poor ones. That's what they're called. Hmm. No, doesn't that sound, I, what is mother Teresa's sect? Wasn't she, Oof. it was pretty darn close Oof. to, that's the little poor ones. Yeah. Those, you should uh, Google that while we're, okay. <laughs> while we're doing, I'm going to keep reading. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No outsider is allowed to see the secret rights of the Yazidis on their own ground. Uh, but there is little doubt in the minds of those who have been partial witnesses to that the rituals follow more or less closely the symbolism of Sufism. The daily ordinary ordinary rituals ritual consists of hailing the hailing the sunrise, and then circum circumambulating circumambulating a stone which has been placed upon the ground. This stone is inscribed with the name Malak Tas. The peacock angel and the ritual is is not thought to be the form of worship to be a form of worship a yazidi told a sufi initiate whom he mistook for a co-religionist let us remember the force of the good and the bad which are one and let us now stand before it and move around our stone they believe the re they believe in reincarnation and that to be born again as an animal is an indication that one has lived an evil life. Those who have lived good lives are reincarnated as human beings. They receive messages from the peacock in a manner quite similar to the spiritualistic ones, which tell them of their former lives 
and explain how past experiences can help them in their current incarnation. There is legend that a large number of reincarnated Yazidis live in the West, but why this should be so nobody knows. Why this should be so nobody knows. Uh, so what's interesting, so if you've been listening and you kind of got lost there, they're kind of going to the origins of the peacock, how they're connected to this Yazidis who are connected to, the, who are the in the the, the stew of uh, Buddhists and Islam and and just weird. weird yeah, yeah a it's lot a weird of, mix. Yeah, it's just a, like a stew, like I said. Um, did you find... Uh, yeah, it wasn't Mother Teresa. Oh, uh, it wasn't? Okay. Cool. It was something called Little Sisters of the Poor. Oh, wow. So... Little poor one. It was close enough. Yeah, little poor. It, it, you were it, you were onto something there. It picked my mind. Yeah, yeah. the little poor. <laughs> All right. Uh, one of one or one of the more secret rituals concerning both the, both the reaching of a satisfactory ritual and also contact in this Western group, six dancers and three singers assemble in an enclosed place before one of the seven important portable peacock statues. A chant is started by one of the singers, taken up by the others. It begins with a long, drawn-out, repetitive re- repetition of the words Malik Tas, and it continues in the rapid repetition of the four syllables. Uh, when, these, when these proceedings have been continued for about a hundred repetitions, the dancers light 17 small oil lamps, which they place in a circle in which the worshippers assemble. Before before the rite, are, all are in a state of ritual purity, having put on a single clean garment. Men and women do not mix in this observance. It's just interesting that now they have, they talk about the chanting. Yeah. Malaktos is... It's just a word. It says yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But it's, and it's broken down into four syllables. Yeah. So, or else it would... So, Malaktos. No, but I meant yeah. the fact that it says, repeats the four syllables as yes. opposed to repeats these two words that mean something right it just is more back of that to that eastern buddhist influence buddhist. yeah yeah that's interesting uh let's see um okay now the dancers begin to gyrate moving slowly around the outside of the circle in an anti-clockwise direction or also known as counterclockwise <laughs> <laughs> they say nothing but their arms move and their palms of their hands are rubbed together as the pace quickens, <laughs> as the pace quickens, the repetition gets louder. Soon, the ordinary myriads begin to shake and to appear paralyzed. Uh, then the latter, they always sit facing the peacock emblem. It is believed that during the ritual, much merit is acquired, which will help towards the improving of the character and thus lending, leading to a human incarnation and a westerly destination. The Sufi idea of Baraka transmitted magical power, literally meaning a blessing. So Baraka means blessing, is also held by the Yazidis. Thus, it is a it is that a person who is thought to have such power is sought after and asked to place his hands in the manner of the early mesmerists in front of the eyes of the myriad. This is described as drawing down the blessing. So I guess it's a form of... Uh, that sounds kind of, uh, like you said, Pentecostalist when they're calling down the blessing. Put the hands over the forehead, you know? Yeah. They like always try and push you down, you know? Yeah. You want me to finish that? Or? Sure, go for it, man. All right. The focus of the religion is the former Christian monastery of Lalesh, where Sheikh Adi lived his last year surrounded by disciples oh, man. and zealously performing miracles. 
This is the shrine to which pilgrimage takes place. Interesting. Um, this too is where the shining. Wait, yeah. Think about that. What was yeah. another secret society that took over former Christian monasteries? That was also Muslim. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Was that the assassins? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they would force their way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, interesting. <clears throat> yeah. This is the shrine to which the pilgrimage. Blah blah blah. This too is where the shiny black snake, symbolizing regeneration and reincarnation. Um, Man. I can't remember what uh, the thing is called, but there's this, you see a snake actually is... Eating its tail? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Aura Borealis, I think it's called, is... Uh, Aurora Borealis. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it means. That sounds it's familiar. It's an ancient uh, thing. It's a... Uh, it's, but the snake, you know, taking its place, re regeneration and reincarnation is... So maybe that's where this came from. Um, uh, car, so the... <laughs> Sorry, again. This too is where the shiny black snake lies, carved against the portal of the sacred precincts. The snake is blackened each morning with the soot from the olive oil lamps, which are kept perpetually burning. The symbol of this is that dye sot is the product of the oil, which does not die, as nothing really dies, but is changed. So again, that's this form of uh, uh, Buddhism, which is the reincarnation and the thing of just passing from one state to another. Yes. You know, there's actually some... Go ahead. By the way, it's not the Aurora Borealis. That's the stars up in right. the northern uh, what lights is it? or whatever. It's called the Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah. That's it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I it's just, close. Hey, yeah, you, no, off you the were, top of my head. I'm, no, dude, you were right on. That's yeah. fine. It, it was good enough for this lowbrow podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, it's actually interesting that some esoteric stuff... I don't know if we actually talked about that in any of the other secret societies... But reincarnation, I just found this, this verse, it's very clear. I don't know if we haven't talked about that before, so let's just say it right now. Yeah. Reincarnation is not real. Correct. Um, it says, I can't remember what the verse it said. I think it's in Hebrews where it says, like, man has one life, they die, they either go to heaven, they either go to hell. That's basically well, the... Well, yeah, Paul mentions that, actually. It wasn't Hebrews. Paul says it is appointed to man to die and then and, and then judgment. Oh. You know? It's like... Yeah. What... what but there's also like to die is, is, or he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right. That's Paul also. He said that. So okay. Paul wrote most of the New Testament because he's just beast that way. So. Yeah. I well, like sorry. It's late. I'm, he's an amazing guy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like half the time if you just say, I'm pretty sure it was in like Hebrews or Romans <laughs> or something like that, uh, you're half he, the time you're probably yeah, Hebrews accurate. and Romans, they're both pretty big books, too, in the New Testament. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, here it is. The baptism, which is a part of Yazidi ceremonies, oh. is not an essential feature. There you go. Okay. So, they're not Catholic, <laughs> <laughs> but is a symbolic act of dedication by the person being baptized. Dude, that's totally a ripoff of Christianity. Yeah. This is reflected in the words which are used by the officiating priest. These are the qu quote. As in this clean water you purify yourself, so you shall cast off sin, as evil has been cast off from the world, and exists not except in the minds of evil doers. Therefore, be this your resolve reaffirmed, not to think evil. Hmm. So they get like, steal half of it, and then they put their little. I weird... know, dude. It's like they're so close. Yeah. They literally rip it off. Yeah. 
There is an institution of heavenly relationship, somewhat reminiscent of the system of godparents. Gosh. Each devotee to, of the cult has a brother or sister, another brother or sister, drawn up from the families of the priestly class. Upon being initiated into the sect, the devotee is given a thick woolen clock, cloak, such as the Sufis use, which is worn next to the skin. That's weird to say, yeah. just worn. <laughs> <laughs> a holy thread of intertwined black and red wool is put around the neck, like the sacred thread of the Parsis and other ancient Middle Eastern cults. This must never be removed, and it sounds like the cold that the Templars were accused of wearing when the order was suppressed as heretic. Mm. A bright red woven wool girdle is worn around the cure whatever the cloak, cloak of the order cloak of the order yeah uh this initiation follows a fast of 40 days <laughs> and a ritual bathing which is symbolically removed all past sins from the would-be fakir fucker <laughs> uh at least until recently the peacock people of europe had little contact with their opposite numbers in the east the main difference seems to be that the western branch is less interested in the reincarnation belief which is interesting Hmm. Uh, whether Sheikh Adi, when he saw his mystical school to carry on in the 13th century, foresaw the strange developments which took place within the order in the Levant and the stranger ones in England and elsewhere, seems unlikely indeed. Hmm. So our peacock friends. You know what's kind of interesting about that last section there that we read about the Yazidis? It feels like the peacock order, um, they just uh, took basically the the thoughts part of it you know and like we're gonna t we're not gonna we'll we'll worship this peacock in like a semi-transic state but uh but we're not gonna do the baptism we're not gonna do the you know um the special garments and you know like all the other stuff that you see with the yazidis here it feels like they just took really just western appealing things yeah you know like we got some order we got some brotherhood we've got some uh benefits and we'll just use all these uh spiritualistic ways of thinking to make ourselves rich yeah think yourself rich that's actually a book yeah think and become rich i think it's napoleon think and become hill rich. napoleon hill something like think that. and become rich and then there's think yourself rich is another book that i saw too oh. which is a lesser known you see them in like you always see those books in like uh like the salvation army and stuff yeah you know <laughs> it's like i guess it didn't work too well <laughs> yeah or maybe they're so rich they're just donating it i want to get <laughs> i want to like think and grow tall <laughs> i want to be six feet tall someday well you can break your knees and have them Oof. rebuilt Oof. don't they do that they can break your leg bones I, and then stretch them and then dude i don't know and that sounds really painful yeah i'm okay I'll, you know what i'm okay at five probably 10. do that in asia they probably do they're eating Eggs with a little boy pee. Oh my god! Breaking their legs <laughs> to get taller. They do some crazy stuff over there. They do. I know. I know. Yep. Yep. All right, dude. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The Black Peacock Cult of Secret Societies. That was another one down. Yeah. These these last couples have been strange, and then we're eventually gonna attack the uh, Masons and the <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> There's so much to them, and they're there so is. overdone. But we will. We'll I'm not gonna lie. I. I mean, honestly, like people want to hear, like I actually had some, we were at, I was at a party yesterday and someone was asking about our podcast and they're like, Hey, when are you going to do the Masons? They literally asked me that. I was like, I don't know, maybe soon. They're like, I want to know about the Freemasons. I'm like, just Google it. Yeah. 
What are you depending on me for? There's whole podcasts that do so much. Like so, the yeah. Illuminati, there's literally a podcast about the Illuminati. They expose them all over the place. Like Many, we don't even have yeah. to, uh, you know. But we could, ju- we should just re. We'll just put the link to their podcast. In <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, but hey, we want to go through some weird, lesser known ones. Yeah. So that's right. You're not going to hear about these on some of these other mainstream podcasts that talk about secret societies all the time. No. <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird. I was going to say, this is what's interesting about this one and why I think we wanted to do it is it shows that it's all, it said, didn't look foreign. Right. And England back then was all, was pretty white. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's not white much anymore in London. <laughs> not uh, much. Whites are my, minority there. Eng- right. Englanders. Uh, Nationalists. People, yeah, white people aren't uh, a minority in London. Yeah. But, uh, but this time it was, and there, so these are all wealthy. Th- so it's just interesting to see in a the West how a secret society functions and the weird things, how they take a little bit from that, a little bit from that. Don't go all the way, you know, like some Sufi Islam and some Buddhist, Buddhist stuff, yeah. and then we'll make it palatable right. to the Western people. And so it's interesting when you look back at like the assassins and those kind of esoteric things or things from the west or these religions it's funny they almost like boil it down and i think of it as like make it stupid for westerners right right because uh, we're just not we're just not mystical we're not mystical we're materialistic right which is why this is probably a very appealing yeah you know i'm sure there's still goes on oh of course i wouldn't be surprised yeah so totally anyways all right thanks for sticking in yeah that was a good one that was a good one so hey we will catch you next time on All Out War. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at All Out Warcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.